The carriages we had ordered began to lurch to and fro, although the ground was flat, and we could not keep them still, even when we wedged their wheels with great stones. Then we saw the sea drawn back, apparently by an earthquake, and many sea creatures were left stranded on the dry sand. From the other direction, over the land, a dreadful black cloud was torn by rushing flames and great tongues of fire, like sheet lightning, but much larger. Pliny the Younger Travel Commando Podcast, baby, live in Pompeii. I am here at the Grand Amphitheater in Pompeii with my tour guide, Antonio, from Italy Experience. Buongiorno, Antonio. Buongiorno to everybody. Buongiorno from Pompeii, southern Italy. So, in the late 1500s, a team of workers was here to dig a canal and uncovered some ruins, kept clearing the dirt and pumice away, and eventually uncovered the city of Pompeii, right? And ultimately many dead bodies. Yes, uh, they arrived here in the period initially, you're right, uh, the canal was dug to lead fresh water to a factory of weapons on the other side of the town. Of course... For a weapons factory. For a weapons factory, you know, you're right. Uh, and it resulted in the discovery of all of this. Basically they found something, uh, I guess they understood there was something of ancient. Yeah. Uh, we say the times were not mature, think that in the southern Italy at the time we were a far exotic province of Spain, right. with the official capital in Madrid, uh, so they couldn't have for probably the excavation, so probably they were much more interested in continuing their, their wars, for example, against the English, huh. uh, for example. Um, it seems anyway, like the ultimate weapon of all time was right across the bay. Exactly. The volcano. No, it's not the other side. <laughs> they, they couldn't imagine. Uh, the, probably the, the, this world was so fascinating and fantastic uh, and yeah. unique. And, you know, I, I feel like most people who, even people who know about Pompeii, don't realize that this site is massive. It is absolutely huge, right? H how many I acres or square miles? We are talking of uh, 66 hectares uh, inside okay. the wall of the town. I think that one third of the town is still buried, so 22 hectares are still buried. Anyway, I agree. With my little experience uh, in this world, uh, uh, welcoming my guests, uh, I say that most of my guests realize that only later they come here, uh, they realize uh, how big Pompeii is. Having previously thought it was very exactly. small. Uh, once you're right yeah. inside, you, can have, you cannot imagine um, yeah. how big it is. Of course, it's a huge archaeological site. It's the only Roman town in the world totally uncovered around the wall of the town, and so we're protected inside. It's a fantastic place. Mm. At the time, it was not the biggest town in this area, probably. Actually, now, it's a massive, huge archaeological site, and you can really spend an entire day inside. Sure. Probably two. Or more. more. Probably yeah. one life. <laughs> I, I it's up to the, your interest, but uh, I say, uh, to be honest, uh, the best way to visit Pompeii is coming here more than once. I have, to I have to agree. That I haven't, I've seen a tiny part of it, I feel like, and I feel like the best way to give people the idea for how big it is is to post pictures from up top. Ah, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I agree. Sorry, folks, you're going to hear some rustling and rattling here because me being the genius that I am, I left my windscreen at the hotel. So I'm so sorry, everybody. I'll try to fix some things in post. Um, so the pyroclastic flow from Vesuvius was so enormous and had so much mass that it rolled all the way across the, all of that water, right, all the way across the Bay of Naples, and onto the beaches at Pompeii and Herculaneum, 
And we know that at the beach of Pompeii, there were many, many, many people fleeing the disaster who were actually running directly toward it, right? Yes, that that's right. Also, if, uh, to be honest, we, according to some reconstructions by the geologists, um, of that eruption, there were six pyroclasty flows. The first one probably read directly to Herculaneum on the other side of the bay, on the other side of the mountain, uh, mm -hmm. uh, located on the, on the coastline. So these flows were down different sides of the volcano. Exactly. Okay. And over there, for example, on the beach, we found uh, in the 80s of the last century 340 bodies, 340 skeletons, uh, an estimation of about the 10% of the Ericolano population. Now, probably also in Pompeii, happened the same. So probably also in Pompeii, plenty of people moved in the direction of the sea. We know that uh, for a while it could be a possible solution, not anymore later, because we know a tsunami happened. Right. So running in the direction of the next town in the inland could be the good solution. 14 kilometers far from here, there was no chair. Another colony has been just partially touched by the eruption. Anyway, anyway, who knows if the people understood immediately the right way out. Probably not. I remind Pro you that not. they didn't know what was happening. Right. So plenty of people escaped. For sure, plenty of people prefer having a repair in the houses, uh, as we know, because we saw the bodies and we saw, yeah. we found the skeletons and going on. And I assume the tsunami was the result of, um, like Pliny the Elder ah, described yeah. the sea rolling back, the tsunami exactly. was when it, when it came, when the sea it, came back home, but right? Yes, it's written okay. on the two letters, the re retreated and then advanced. In our terms, uh, yeah. in modern terms, a tsunami happened. Now, I've read Pliny the Younger's accounts of what happened here, and the the image of his uncle's ships disappearing into that cloud that there's an historian online a historian named dan carlin uh dan i am in no way comparing myself to you at all you're the man um <laughs> and he and i have a favorite perspective on history and certain events in history what would that have looked like right and the idea of Pliny the elder's fleet sailing away into that black cloud while his family watched mm -hmm is just chilling, don't you think? Basically, yes. Of course, uh, as you can imagine, uh, this uh, incredible tragedy became also a good opportunity to make some romances and uh, so inventing stories and going on. Uh, to be honest, we would never know this exact situation at the time, but I can remind you something. For example, Pliny the Elder was also a scientist and naturalist, and not only a man of navy, not right. only the admiral of navy, right. was interesting in coming closer to the to the eruption, also to check the situation and to study it. Of course, I should remind something else. For example, he received an SOS yes. from the coast yes. by a, a rich woman at the time, yes. Rectina, and uh, so and he diverted he came to in rescue her, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Probably they, the fleet, uh, we don't know many boats exactly, are right in this area, skipping probably Ercoleano. Also, if recently uh, we found uh, uh, some swords and uniform of a soldier on the beach in Herculaneum, so in the 80s and going on, so probably some soldiers are right over there as well. Uh. Okay. But uh, probably the port in Pompeii was supposed to be not enough large to welcome the Pliny fleets and the Pliny boats. So that's why he went probably to Stabia possibly a little bit more repaired, and he spent the night uh, to in Stabia to a friend of him, Pomponiano. Of course, uh, of course, uh, it's interesting reminded that 
we the story says that he died the second day of the eruption right um, but we don't have so many details okay uh, we have the reconstruction made by the nephew right. who came here some time later who knows what how much time later right collecting that's a, that's information a very by good the point. survivors all we know uh, is he came after the eruption we don't that, that could have meant six weeks exactly. it could have meant ten years could right. be could be yeah. you know, for some there are different ideas different theories by different scholars and he, he only knew that his uncle died via gas inhalation because he was told that by somebody who saw his uncle drop mm. from some distance away, yes. Uh, basically, yes, uh, probably yes, he died as he said, possibly, we say traditionally on a beach in Stabia. Okay, uh, I've died, yeah, that's what I've always And if you're interested read. in this point, just to give you the idea, there is a scholar studying uh, a skeleton, and he's uh, studying that in order to understand if that's the, the Pliny skeleton uh, oh, wow. found in Stabia. Who knows, they're still studying, but because of they found some decorations, uh, around the skeletons, uh, supposed to be not for normal people, but for right. an important man of army. Hmm. They are studying the skeleton teeth, uh, because our teeth are recording some information in our life forever, uh, uh, and uh, they understood that probably that skeleton uh, drank when the skeleton was a kid, water from a spring of water next to Como in the northern Italy. That's the point. Pliny was original free, originally from Como, okay. so they are studying uh, in order to confirm uh, if he's the skeleton or not. Of course, of course, we had to pay attention because, uh, you know, before then uh, saying that's the Pliny skeleton, we need plenty of confirmation. I, I think there's certainly the room for, for skepticism, exactly, yes. Exactly. What, what do you think was Pompey's place in the Roman world? In the Roman world, uh, you mean uh, the, you mean the, 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 the like did it overall have a purpose? It seems to have been, and according to a lot of what I'm going to call myth and legend, uh, was a city designed for and devoted to pleasure. But it seems to me that there was obviously very much more than that going on here. Did did Pompeii occupy a specific place or? serve basically, a specific function for the Roman basically, world? Basically, it was uh, a dynamic town uh, that became a colony in the 80 BC after Silla came in this area with a private army to stop a sort of riot. That's and another thing people don't consider is it was colonized. Yes. Uh, it's been colonized by the Romans uh, officially in the 80 BC. The Romans were already here, but officially in the 80 BC remained an official became an official Roman colony, and that's an important point. Of course, was a dynamic town uh, along the Bay of Naples uh, next to the sea and was a commercial town. Uh, that's a good aspect to remark. Uh, Sometimes, because of it's the only one in the world that totally uncovered the enti entire, we emphasize a little bit too much. Uh, the life inside was not so different from the other Roman towns in the world, to be honest. Uh, but, uh, but for sure, was a dynamic town along the Bay of Naples. It was known among the people. Uh, it was known among the Romans. Uh, also because this area at that time was very important. I remind you that on the northern side of Naples, there was a large uh, area, which is called the Phlegraean Fields. Phlegraean in Greek means burning. So burning fields is a large volcanic area. The Greeks arrived the first of a day, a long time ago, between the 7th and 6th century before Christ, then has been colonized by the Romans, and that area became one of the most beautiful areas of the empire. Okay, there was the fleet over there, there was Baia where the emperor used to go on holiday, there was Kuma, the first Greek colony that became a religious town. Okay, there was Puteoli, the most important commercial harbor for Rome before they built the new, the new harbor next to Rome in Ostia. 
So the area was very important. To the northern side of the Campania, there was Capua, the town sure. called the, the Altera Roma, the second Rome. So Pompeii took an important role. For sure, was uh, more important than the other little villages in the area, but of course was not the, a, 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 a metropolitan town like uh, Rome. So, so not, not necessarily the jewel of the ancient world that people think of it as being. No, not, and necessarily, that I think of it as not being. necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, because it always struck me as a little bit odd, because I always have thought of it as one of the jewels of the ancient world. It's it always is. struck me as a bit odd that in this jewel of the ancient world, they washed clothing and urine. Ah, yes. Is that true? Apparently, it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's a little bit strange. To be honest, according to our modern life, can be a little bit disgusting as well. But I guess it, it makes sense chemically. It makes sense, <laughs> because chemically it makes sense. Uh, you know, uh, the one of the main purposes was bleaching clothes. The rich people w uh, loved having uh, very white clothes, quite shiny. I think that sometime after they washed it, they used to use the sulfur, uh, uh, smoke with sulfur yeah. inside in order to make the clothes shining, brightening. Uh, but of course in the urine there was the ammonia. Right. The ammonia is an important degreaser. They collected it. They collected it outside the Fulonica, which is the name of the laundry at the time. Uh, you could find little pots uh, where the passenger <laughs> could leave a little present, they say, for the for the owner of the Fulonica. I say a little gift, a little present. So you're saying passers-by would urinate in these pots to help also, out the... In some of our <laughs> buildings, there were big pots uh, collecting urines. Vespasiano, the, emp the emperor in charge before si. then the son Tito, uh, organize also something with the public toilets uh, that uh, now, actually, in our modern language, uh, the Vespasiano is a little toilet, is a little latrine, basically. Okay. And think that Vespasiano imposed a tax on urine, like he imposed <laughs> a tax on water for the Fulonica, uh, in order also probably to stop a little bit this rich corporation to control it. Uh, and in order to make some money. Uh, so it's true. Clever. The, the, probably the, the, the most, the strangest thing is that thing that they imported, the camel urine. The camel's urine was really powerful and concentrated. So yes, it's strange, but it's true. Powerful and concentrated. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what you get when you store water in your body, I suppose. I, bet, I guess so, I guess Do, so. And Antonio, you live in the area, yes? Yes, I live here in Pompeii. Do many locals come here to learn about their own history? Ah, to be honest, I know some people uh, from Pompeii who had never been inside. Real? Well, I, it's I strange. I, I, it's I, strange, but you know, we, uh, the Romans used to say, Nemo profeta in patria, uh, which means, in other words, uh, something, uh, you know, if you are from a place, you, we've been not to trust, you're not trusted by the people, or often, if you're living in a place, you don't visit it. Uh, anyway, anyway, mm, most of the people from Pompeii have been to Pompeii, to be honest. Uh, okay. Uh, so they are coming here, not so, not so uh, often, uh, not so often. Also because that's strange. Maybe more there is not children a in school. For the citizen. Friends of schools are coming. Yeah. Schools from Italy and from everywhere. And you know, I think that having a tour in Pompeii, especially for the schools, for the kids, for the youngs, uh, is really necessary. Yeah. Because have we. As we saw, uh, James, in our work, uh, basically uh, our modern world uh, has the roots in a place like this. Uh, uh, yeah. Basically, we understood that we didn't change so, ma so many things in our life. Uh, so we changed a lot. Fortunately, there are no slaves anymore. But, <laughs> but you know, uh, it's something to see. It's yeah, something to see. Uh, I, I, I do think Western school culture. children should come. Yeah. Well, there in, are in, in my hometown, we used to go to this place... Uh, this recreated western town called Pioneer, Arizona, and I can tell you it, uh, 
It has nothing on Pompeii. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, if Again. I were a school child here, I would demand to come here, I think. No, but, you know, it's important. Do you think it's better to have so much of the artwork removed from here and placed in the museum in Naples, or do you think it would be better if a lot of it was still here under preservation? Mm. Basically, first we should remind that most of the artifacts, the frescoes, the mosaic removed initially, have been removed by the Borbonia Caminier excavated in this area. And we're talking of uh, a, an absolute uh, monarchy. Uh, mm -hmm. And they kept something also because we're talking of the beginning of archaeology. The archaeology was born here at the right. time. Of course, they took something, they kept everything in a close place since ever. So to be honest, we should say thanks to them because we have uh, something at the museums, in the museums in perfect conditions of preservation. I feel, I feel the perfect same. Perfect preserved. I would of like course, to see more it's not here, but I feel the mo the same. for the modern archaeology anymore. Of course, now we can leave everything on the spot. Right. But to be honest, it's not my opinion, but the opinion of the most important archaeologist in the world. Uh, once you uncover and you dig out something, you start to lose something. You can pay attention. You can try to preserve. You can try to stop that process. Uh, but slowly, slowly, you're losing something. Yeah. There is nothing to do. So. As, a, 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 as we said, the working inside, the main worries are about the preservation of what is an open air since the 1748. We are still excavating because we needed to excavate something uh, new because of the new technologies are helping us to understand something new. Sure. But uh, from the moment we're leaving everything uh, underneath, uh, and uh, to be honest, uh, the collection, for example, in Naples is amazing. Now, could be interesting, as uh, has been done for a while in the past, uh, and uh, as uh, the, the director of Ruin started to do again, uh, having something uh, in the archaeological site for in a permanent exhibit can help you to understand something more about the daily life. I mean, of if course. you enter in a kitchen with the cooking pans replaced and the pots replaced, we, it's helpful. Of course, not always is possible, because actually now there are almost four million of people coming per year. Yeah. And, you know, the tourism is fantastic. It's an important, uh, uh, it's very important also for our local economy, but four million of people can also damage an archaeological site, which is fragile. I've, I've seen the effects of it in many places exactly. around the world. You know, a lot of us have, right? Um, do we know approximately how many people lost their lives in the eruption, just in Pompeii? Not uh, basically, I should uh, 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 I should uh, mention that possibly in Pompeii, according to the last uh, discoveries, uh, especially before then the earthquake of the '62, because a terrible earthquake shaking in this area before then the, yes. the eruption, there were possibly 25,000 people living. Now. After the earthquake, 10, 12, 15,000 people living okay. in this area, in this town, about 4,000 in Herculaneum, uh, some other thousands in the other villages and towns around us. The, the people living in the countryside, we can say thousands of people died. We will never know the perfect number. So we potentially half to two-thirds of the population of Pompeii. Ah, potentially, yes. Yeah. To give you an idea, wow. if I'm not a mistake, uh, uh, we already cataloged uh, 1, 000, about 1,060 skeletons in Pompeii. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are some bonds waiting to be cataloged in some storages. And to be honest, initially, when the first uh, uh, archaeologists came here and started to excavate the area, they were not interested in collecting bonds. Of course, of course not. So they wasted possibly right. plenty of bonds, for sure. Probably and damaged uh, many, many bonds. Exactly. And in Echirenia, we know the people escaped from Tusi. They went to the sea. Probably they did the same in Papay, as we said. And, you know, outside from the ancient world, uh, now there is the modern world. And basically, who knows if the skeletons are uh, around the area underneath the modern houses and the modern streets are going on. Right. But probably, anyway, potentially, we are talking of yeah. thousands of people dying. Yeah. For sure, we had some survivors, because without the survivors, we wouldn't have the letters. We, right. Is there, uh, is there evidence that people committed suicide? To, to, to evidence about, sorry? Is, is, there people, is there evidence that people killed themselves during the eruption? Uh, not so clear. Okay. Not so clear. Okay. Uh, we know that some people came back after the eruption in order to rob something from yeah, the house. Yeah, of course there they was that. They made some time. Sometimes yeah. we found some skeletons thinking that possibly were people uh, who survived and who came back here to rob okay. something from the rich houses. I but just wondered if, you know, as you said, Nobody knew what this was at the time. They didn't know a volcano was exploding. Basically, yes. They thought it was the end of the world Basically, yes. in a lot of cases. In and I sense, wondered if uh, yes. maybe people took their we own We can lives. imagine some scholars, the geographer, uh, the culture, the people could understand something. The elder. Mm-hmm. The elder understood it. Because he knew the phenomenon. He knew the volcanoes. He knew the volcanoes in Sicily, for example. So probably we can guess uh, he, he understood everything. But most of people, of course, not at all. Uh, uh, the, according to some geologists, the previous eruption happened 1,500 years before than that. So, in a sense, they lost the memory of the right. mountain as a volcano. Right. It's very interesting to me that we were just a moment ago standing on spots. We, we could very well have literally been standing where gladiators fought and died and killed each other and where competitive murder happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet this area is so beautiful and so stunning I have to wonder if some of the Roman Empire might have felt like the eruption was a punishment for wickedness ah probably yes you know uh, it was a popular belief I guess uh, at the time that the eruption is a punishment you know for the bad habits uh, uh, and going on also because they couldn't explain in another way uh, right. Uh, so no frame of reference. Exactly, exactly. Like uh, the earthquakes before the eruption, you know, they they didn't change the era because the earthquakes were something that could happen, could happen everywhere. So why moving? Of course, uh, of course, uh, about the gladiators and going on, uh, that's uh, something of, uh, you know, a little bit sad if we think about, so, but I'd like to be clear also about this aspect. Sometimes we emphasize a little bit. I mean, According to the statistics, uh, one on ten used, two on ten used to write to the death, the gladiators, I mean. Yes. Uh, so our movies sometimes are a little bit sensational. Yes. Of course, if you were fighting in front of the emperor in Rome, uh, and you brought your gladiators from your school over there, you didn't pay attention to the gladiators dying, because you were having uh, an amazing advertisement. Right. Mm. Of course. That was a business. But otherwise, one on ten, two on ten, and the gladiators were really famous were uh, considered like uh, sex symbols. That's true, among the women. We found the graffiti signed by the women talking about, I would say, some gladiator skills in something. Uh, like we found the, 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 the graffiti 
probably drawn by uh, by little kids uh, because they are the children eye. So they were really famous. They didn't like every day like in the movies. They were mostly slaves. Of course, we're talking of a show which was a little bit uh, hard, uh, right? Uh, compared to nowadays. Um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't boxing, was it? Uh, <laughs> a sort of, a sort of. Was not only like wrestling, uh, just yeah. uh, acting. Sometimes yeah. they died. Often they yeah. were injured. It's true that they, they received the best cues by the doctors, <laughs> but they were injured, really injured. Mm. For example, once, just to give you the idea, uh, we know that once in Pompeii, a man offered. Uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, games with uh, 412 gladiators, if I'm not mistaken. It means that in that case, plenty of gladiators died. Because yeah. in that case, uh, the, 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 the games uh, lasted days. Okay, And uh, if someone uh, splashed out money for 412 people, uh, Basically means that it didn't pay attention to the money, so plenty of people could die. Yeah, in those case. were people cutting through each other. Yeah, yeah. Sure. How long was the area dark after the eruption? It must ah, have seemed as though. We know for days and days. Yeah. We know for days and days. I I would think that. Uh, what's the pronunciation of the ferryman's name across the river? Karen, Charon. Uh, Rectina. Rectina in your case. I, I would think that. The bodies that we found of people clutching coins may not have been thieves, but that they were people preparing to pay the ferryman ah, because they thought this would become the, the underworld. They, imagine yourself, if you're escaping, you take something for your house, probably just money, if you think it don't come back easily. Or otherwise, to pay for a boat. Possibly, yeah. yes, why not? Yeah. It's strange because we have different cases. For example, once in a tavern, we found uh, plenty of money into the pots, in a tavern, into the food. And if you think about it, probably was the money the owner made in the Sundays, and they put everything inside, thinking that was possible coming back. Otherwise, they took something with them. On the beach in Ercolano, we found uh, also jewelry, coins, uh, so uh, pieces of jewelry, and going on. So something to carry with you. So like when people were trying to get off the Titanic with their possessions ah, instead of letting yes, them it's go. A, it's a good idea. How many people got out? Do we know? As as far as I know, Pliny the Younger's account is the only account of the eruption mm -hmm. that survived. Do we know how many people escaped? No, not perfect. Not totally. And and of course we just saw a room full of people who tried to escape and all died together. Yeah, basically yes. Basically, yeah, so there's there's no way to know. No, no, I guess no. I guess no. How do you think the fall of Pompeii affected the Roman government or state? Uh, basically, didn't affect so much. I mean, uh, the life in Rome didn't change so much, to be honest. Everybody said the news uh, were known among the Romans. Tacitus, the important historians, uh, wrote uh, something on the, in, on the analysis. But we know that uh, Titus, the emperor in charge at the time, um, chose a couple of magistrates to analyze the situation here. The two uh, um, curatores restituenda campagna, so two people involved to come here back to check the situation, and uh, Titus financed personally also some reconstructions in this area. For example, they dug out this the area where the forum was. They took the marbles um, in order to refinancing probably some reconstructions in the area around Pompeii Herculaneum because I guess they understood that, that there was nothing to do for the town. Pompeii was dead forever, basically. Of course. And, uh, but anyway, something in the area reborn. For example, Stabia probably was uh, partially rebuilt, uh, and probably they rebuilt the roads from Naples along the coast to going to Stabia and then to the land in Ocero, leaving uh, Pompeii and Herculaneum forever under the, under the debris.
Sure. Yeah, at that time, there was certainly no way to excavate and rebuild. Yeah. Let me ask you this about the art. Uh, I, I kind of keep thinking about that. Was the art thought of as being Roman art, Italian art, or Pompeian art? I know some of it was probably Etruscan, but what we can see, was, would you say that was thought of as Roman, Pompeian, or Italian? You mean about the art and the decorations? Yes. Uh, to be honest... The uh, murals and such. To be honest, we can say that uh, the Roman uh, decorations and art uh, influenced the, art, the art Italian artists. Also, if we can talk about Italy only since 1861, we talk about the Italic Peninsula. Uh, Italy as a new there you country go. is a... Is a is there you go. They uh, was called the Italic Peninsula, that's true. But, uh, but I say sometime, this town suspended in the time and uh, the most alive among the dead cities, as we said more than once in our world today, is uh, also something... Uh, connected with, you know, the Renaissance art, the neoclassical art. I remind you that, for example, after Pompeii and Herculaneum had been discovered, the neoclassical art was born. The neoclassical art was born because of Pompeii and Herculaneum had been discovered, spread out in Italy, then in Europe, and then they write to you over the ocean, uh, thanks to the English. If you've been to your White House, looks like a temple with the neoclassical art, possibly right. because of this town. Okay. Of that course. is very interesting. Uh, uh, possibly, of course. I don't want to force so much. <laughs> but anyway, it's, a, it's an idea. It's a, no, I a, 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 can it's see a good it. point of view. I don't think it's when a stretch. When the first artist saw the first decorations in Rome uh, at the end of the 15th century, they started to replay the decoration they did uh, during the Renaissance art, for example. Okay, now, at that time, Pompeii was still under the debris. But if you have a look in Pompeii now, you can talk about the Renaissance art. Like you can talk yes. about in classical art. Yes, some like things were passed best, on despite yes. the destruction. Like if you see the graffiti on walls, you can talk about, you know, the graffiti today. Right. Same time I talk with the students, with the little kids. They say, guys, did you know that uh, 2,000 years ago they used to scratch on walls like you are still doing in your toilets in, the, in your <laughs> school? <laughs> so basically, <laughs> it's really something yeah. that can uh, cross the centuries. It transcends uh, it time, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we've seen a handful of very sad plaster casts today of, of people's bodies. I want to talk about another kind of cast. How many social casts were there in Pompeii? Uh, basically, of course, uh, of course, uh, I remind you that the three social classes usually were slaves, the freedmen people, and the patricians people. The patricians were uh, uh, um, in a town like Pompeii, in a town like Pompeii. We think that in the last two centuries, roughly, there were the 40-45% of slaves, possibly. Okay. Thing first, because of, of course, once Rome spread out, they started to import the people from the countries they conquered. Mm. And we're in a commercial town, so plenty of people were involved in uh, uh, some different jobs for someone else. So 40-45% of slaves, roughly, a large uh, corporation with freedmen people uh, and with people who were slaves initially, became freedmen later, so they liberated the ex-slaves who made enough no money to buy the freedom again. And of course the patricians uh, also represented. So I say Pompeii is a good example uh, with all the stratification uh, of the Roman world. It's very so interesting. It is, it, it, is, it is. Of course there were some corporations a little bit richer than the others. The people involved in Londres, we know, became a rich corporation. If they had an headquarter in a building facing the farm, for sure were not the less important people in the town. Right. Not at all. 
Right. Okay. Of course, the people involved in the religion, the priest and the priestess, and going on, were important people, uh, for sure. Of course, only the patricians could be elected like only the patrician could vote. So, for sure, that was uh, the dominant social class. But I say often, 2,000 years ago, like today, was often a problem of money. If you were rich, Mm -hmm. uh, you could skip plenty of problems at mm -hmm. the time like today. Uh, we, have, we have news of uh, freedman people uh, important for the town, running the town. Yeah, and also... Which initially, uh, which is uh, basically uh, uh, apparently not admitted in the past. But, of course, if, we may, if you made plenty of money, if you were... So rich no, yeah, I think research has, has proved it out. Exactly. That's true. It's, it's very interesting to me that slaves themselves were considered a social caste because in so many civilizations who held ah, slaves, yes, that right. would not have been the case. They would have been considered yeah, animals. Right. I consider that a social caste also <coughs> because, to be honest, uh, the slaves made an important role... Uh, had an important role for the Roman world. Without those slaves, possibly, the Romans couldn't be so famous today, you know. Yeah, I, the and, slaves, and I certainly... The aqueducts. Right. Without the slaves, they couldn't right. uh, uh, do plenty of things. I certainly and sadly can say that is most true of my own country as well. Yeah, yeah, in a sense. You know. So this wasn't just a vacation spot. There were... The population was maybe 50% slaves, what was the main trade? The main trade? Mm -hmm. I say first commerce, of course. And when I say commerce, I mean uh, commerce about everything. Wine, olive oil, food. Uh, importing the next Goods. Uh, goods. Okay. Uh, in Pompeii, often I, I've been to the leather factory, the oldest in the world, because of, you know, the leather, uh, producing leather is still, is still uh, an important... I uh, see it everywhere. Uh, uh, in, in Italy, so yeah. important as a production. <coughs> in Pompeii, there what is would the Milan in the do with that? In Milan, I have uh, my guest from Milan, the president of the Leather Association in Italy. She's mm -hmm. coming here because they are financing the restoration of that place. So producing leather outside from the woods, producing products, producing bricks, importing spicy, Importing silk, some materials not common in this area, exporting wood, exporting wood, exporting food, exporting wine. I told you before in our work we found some pots uh, from this area in Northern Africa, Middle East, with the written above Vesvinum, Vesumvinum, which was the name of the Vesuvian wine. Okay, so basically that's interesting because, as we said in our work, uh, and we agreed before, uh, and I think we still agree. Uh, the Mediterranean, in that case, was a melting pot of cultures. It yeah, yeah. was a Roman town, but multi-ethnical, yeah. and we had the result of mixing cultures. For sure. This is something to remind for our uh, for modern uh, world, <laughs> for, uh, for everyone, I yeah. say. Everybody uh, who might need to hear that these days. Exactly. The pure <laughs> races, races right. uh, uh, are not existent anymore, I guess. <laughs> and in a shocking twist of human history... There is now a new city of Pompeii built right next to the original Pompeii. How, how many people live there? Like 40,000? In the new one, uh, about, 30, about, right? about 30. About so, 30,000. So it could all happen again. I, exactly. Thank you, thank you, because I've been living here. It can happen <laughs> again. Okay, wow. of course. Wow. We That's think that can happen in the next 1,000 years again. It can happen in uh, 10 years, like in 100 yeah. years. Who knows? I remind to your followers that uh, now on the Vesuvius there is a scientific center. They are checking 24-7, they are monitoring 24-7 all the activities. Uh, now we have the capability exactly. to warn people. For example, people in the last month, uh, James, if you want to know, we had 247 earthquakes. 
Very weak. Okay. We <laughs> probably okay. today. Meantime, we were walking. We had some probably one. So they can predict the rapture now, but the Vesuvius is considered so dangerous because of. We are 700,000 people living around it. Yeah. Not including neighbors. Yeah. On the other side of the neighbors, there are some other active volcanoes. We are more than 2,300,000 people living on atomic bombs. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. that's why I can exactly. Yeah. Now, I say, to be honest, 2,000 years ago, the Pompeians didn't know that was a volcano. Now we know. If we chose to live here, it's our fault. The nature can do whatever it thinks. Very, very well said, Antonio. Thank you so much for the interview thank and you for so this wonderful day. Thank you to you, and uh, thank and you to you also for this lovely experience, uh, which is uh, you're so welcome. Lovely to me. It's my lovely pleasure. And by and the way, I, I should also thank Italy XP, Italy Experience Online, for helping us put this together. Yes, for sure. Uh, like we should say thanks to our uh, agency, for example, Axcos as well. Uh, Thank uh, you very much. And Emiliano, thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate you mentioning day. that. We had a great day. All right, Antonio, thank you. Bye thanks bye. again. Ciao, ciao. We're waiting for you here. Eh? Don't miss Pompeii. Travel Commando ciao, ciao. out. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> okay. Now that I have found someplace a bit quieter, once again, I would like to thank Antonio, Italy XP or Italy Experience, especially Ricardo, who was very helpful in making this podcast happen, and very importantly, my thanks to Ascos Tours. I appreciate the great communication and effortless interaction. You can see pics and video of all of this on my Instagram page. You'll hear more from Antonio in a bit. I recorded his presentation of one of the sites within the ruins. Our interview was recorded in the Grand Amphitheater, for those of you who may require this point of reference, I'm referring to the structure in which Pink Floyd played a concert for Nobody and recorded a seminal video. An arena in which guys hacked each other to death. Okay, a theater. A venue for festivity and gore. I am so proud and so stoked, so stoked to bring you this podcast. I have wanted to visit Pompeii since I was a very, very small child. One of the first books which I could ever read was a Reader's Digest compendium for kids, and the book contained a story about Pompeii. My mom used to read it to me, and as soon as I could read, I went over it repeatedly. I feel very privileged to have visited the ruins and to have brought you a podcast from that place. I have no words. People will ask me about my favorite thing <clears throat> in Pompeii, my favorite part of visiting Pompeii. I have to say, standing in certain spots, especially the temples, in which I was looking through the ruins and straight at Vesuvius, was quite, quite moving. There are some spots near the Forum which feature views of the volcano through long colonnades of ruined but still standing arches. That was quite an experience as well. These places, which still partially stand, are easy to picture full of people because, you know, there are going to be a few people around. And you can see the volcano, and it's just too easy to imagine how everything went down. Listening to somebody 
getting after it and singing opera in the Little Amphitheater was absolutely great as well. I don't think he worked there or anything. He had a small backpack on. And that brings us to a travel commando tip. Bags which are very big at all are forbidden. My small backpack, Pavarotti's was smaller, was too big. Okay, so be prepared. They do this for very good reasons, by the way. Here's another travel commando tip. In the forum, some of the famous body casts of Pompeii are on display. Okay, there is one which often upsets animal lovers. I'll be just a bit more accurate and say pet lovers. So prepare yourself for that. And keep in mind that you're not required to look at the body casts if you don't want to. Okay. I also took a trip to Vesuvius. This turned out to be a bit of a bust, but was still so worth doing. It was a bust because the top was shrouded in a cloud. Okay, we could see this plainly from the bay. We knew that we might not see the crater, and we did not. It was filled with a cloud which spilled out, enveloping us, taking away our visibility, and dropping the temperature significantly in addition to the already significant drop due to altitude. All right. And that's another issue with going up. Visitors are transported from sea level to 4,000 feet in a van. Then there's a relatively short hike to the crater. Okay. I live and train at almost 5,000 feet and I struggle. I think the rapid ascent contributed. But in all likelihood, the illness which I was developing, you can probably hear traces of it, had begun to rob me of my strength. All right. As I stated, we had no view of the crater that day, but the rock formations in the fog were eerie and fascinating. We did get to see plenty of blast-damaged mountain in spring green before the cloud spiraled and covered it. And on ascent and descent, we passed huge boulder fields left by the eruption, okay? Lava fields too, among other reminders, and in different places on the mountain, some interesting stone sculptures had been created. There are a few bars along the mountain, but they're more bars in the sense that there are souvenir shops at which you can buy a few beers or some water or soft drinks if you can squeeze in, okay? And by the way, I keep referring to Vesuvius as the mountain, all right? That's like calling Denali the mountain. Here's something to keep in mind. You should not think of Vesuvius as just one thing. You may have a favorite mountain which you like to hike that from a distance seems like one thing, a lump, a bare spire, a dry mesa. Okay, but then you're on it, and it could be the whole world, right? That's Vesuvius. It's not dead. It's live and fertile. The, quote, mountain is a huge, massive, ever-changing kaleidoscope of environments and ecosystems. Expect that. When we were beneath the cloud cover, the views of Naples and the bay, both on the way up and on the way down, were almost Clive Barker science fantasy-like. Just amazing. Outstanding. Even without seeing the crater, 
I found this activity to be rewarding. I want to thank Acampora Tours again for this great experience, and in just a quiet acknowledgement I will say thank you Desiree. So listen, really, I'm not kidding. You can do a fantastic three-city, three-experience thing here. Sorrento, Sorrento, Naples, Pompeii, or the other direction. Cheap stays, cheap food, Circumvesuviana really is super easy. You can take it from Sorrento to Pompeii, Pompeii to Naples, or Naples to Pompeii, Pompeii to Sorrento. Views are outstanding. You should think about this. Watch my Instagram page for pics of all of this and more. Travel Commando out. Here's a little bonus feature. Antonio describing the discovery of the ruins at Pompeii and reading a sign at Pompeii regarding that discovery. And a few more descriptive words written by someone who was there when the eruption occurred. I am currently standing in Pompeii with my guide Antonio, and we are in the area, we're actually at the canal, which was being dug when supposedly the very first artifacts of Pompeii were discovered. However, Antonio has just informed me that a discovery of a coin in this area indicates that people were in these ruins before this canal began. No, and that's after that. It was afterward. Yeah, it was later. afterward. Okay. And Antonio is now going to read you the sign which has been placed to explain the construction of this canal. Perfect. The sign is saying that uh, between the year 1594 uh, and uh, the early 17th century, so 16, uh, the architect Domenico Fontana, who was an important one uh, involved into the court of the vice king in Naples, Domenico Fontana is the architect who projected uh, the royal building in Naples, actually, he built the canal to lead the water from the Sarno River directly to some uh, uh, to a, 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 a factor of weapons in Torre Annunziata. Uh, and during the, uh, the construction of the canal, they saw for the first time the ruins in Pompeii. Mm? So that's, that's the sign uh, reminding that moment. Okay. And that is in line with the story which many of you have probably heard about the discovery of the ruins. Thank you, Antonio, for clearing, uh, for clearly reading that sign for us. I can interpret approximately one-eighth of it using the Italian I know, so I'm very grateful for your help, as are our uh, listeners. Uh, thank you so much to you, of course. Uh, thank you so much to you. The clouds sank down soon afterwards and covered the sea, hiding Capri and Capomycenum from sight. My mother begged me to leave her and escape as best I could, but I took her hand and made her hurry along with me. Ash was already falling by now, but not very thickly. Then I turned around and saw a thick black cloud advancing over the land behind us like a flood. Let us leave the road while we can still see, I said, or we will be knocked down and trampled by the crowd. We had hardly sat down to rest when the darkness spread over us but it was not the darkness of a moonless or cloudy night, but it was just as if the lamps had been put out in a completely closed room. Pliny the Younger